Welcome to Axios Pro Rata, where we take just 10 minutes to get you smarter on the collision of tech, business, and politics. Sponsored by Bridge Bank. Be bold. Venture wisely. I'm Dan Mac. On today's show, investors bet big against Lyft and why no one will take responsibility for Facebook's latest user data spill. But first, closing the border. So last Friday, President Trump tweeted a threat to close the U.S.-Mexico border, or at least large sections of it, if Mexico, quote, doesn't immediately stop all illegal immigration coming into the U.S., end quote. So a few things to know. First, a total border shutdown would do much more than just close ports of entry to asylum seekers and arguably cause undocumented immigrants to take more dangerous routes through unsecured border areas. It also would theoretically stop all trade between the two countries, which currently amounts to around one billion of goods per day. Trump told reporters earlier this week that immigration is a much more important issue to him than trade, but his own top economic advisor, Larry Kudlow, also said in a different venue that he was working on some ways to protect certain trucking routes. So let's call that mixed messages at best, which has got to terrify people like American farmers who already got hit very hard in the past year by the China trade disputes. Plus, there are thousands and thousands of Mexican and American citizens in border areas who cross it each day for work, not to mention all the tourists. In short, this would create a massive disruption for both countries, which perhaps is why the border remains open today, six days after the Trump tweet that threatened to close it, quote, next week. So the question now is if this is just the president blowing off steam via Twitter, which has become commonplace, or if it could actually become very consequential policy, not only for U.S. security, but for U.S. economic security. We'll try to answer that in 20 seconds with Axios executive editor Mike Allen. But first, this. The Equity Fund Resources Group at BridgeBank is a central hub for the venture capital and private equity communities. Offering banking services for funds, partners, and their portfolio companies, BridgeBank's financial solutions are designed for the entire innovation ecosystem and include creative credit solutions, robust treasury and cash management capabilities, and a suite of international banking products. BridgeBank is a division of Western Alliance Bank. BridgeBank. Be bold. Venture wisely. We're joined now by Axios executive editor Mike Allen. So, Mike, when Trump tweeted last week about possibly shutting down the border, did anyone in the White House know that was coming or was this one of these bedroom tweets? Uh, Well, uh, the tweets are very often a surprise. And here's another way that these uh, tweets fit a pattern. And that is one. This is based on the reporting of Axios Jonathan Swan. One, the president actually believed it. He was not bluffing. It was something that he actually wanted to do, and almost no one around him agreed with him. So to unpack that, when the president threatened to shut down the border, it was very, very, very analogous to his threat about jumping back into health care and urging Republicans to make it a top drawer issue when both the House and Senate Republican leaders and the Trump campaign thought that was a terrible political idea. There was no plan, right? He wasn't rolling out a health care plan. He was saying that they should do it, and there was no particular plan. It's the same thing with the border. Imagine the complexities of closing the border. Now, my own reporting shows that what they had in mind was to close the entry points and the formal uh, entry points, and to allow day laborers to come and go. Like, that was as far as the plan uh, went, based on our reporting. Now, since then, White House officials have come out and said that this would be an economic calamity. We know that it would be very difficult, specifically on the Texas economy, and I assume California as well. The truck traffic, the other commercial 
traffic. This would not be a blip. This would be a calamity. And Trump was asked about that this week. And his comment to reporters during an availability was, I care more about immigration than about trade, is how he put it. Mike, does he really? Because clearly trade and the economy is what he has been, while he talks obviously a ton about immigration, he's going to run 2020 on the economy. And I'm going to take that one step further, and that is he cares about the metrics. So based on Axios reporting, the president closely watches the daily market activity on cable TV. And I think you may have written in pro rata, or I know it's your view, that there could be almost no use of the president's mind that's less valuable than intraday stock movements. But he's a metrics guy. He's a business guy. And so that ultimately is, I think, what pulled him back uh, from the brink on this. And Axios today, we called it Trump's border bottom line. And here's his bottom line, a source telling Jonathan Swan, it's the markets closing the border, the markets would plummet. And this uh, source continues uh, to Jonathan Swan. He's very well aware that there's a commercial trucking component that would be devastating on Mexico and would be hurtful to the United States. The quote ends there. And then I will add specifically to Texas and California. You're right. If the border indeed got shut, you're talking about a billion dollars in goods that goes back and forth between the two every day. It, it would be devastating economically and the markets would go nuts. It's interesting, though, when he put the tweet out, the markets didn't care. They paid literally no attention. The Dow, I think, was actually <laughs> up that day. Is there any sense in the White House? And concern might be the wrong word. But look, if, if this had been Obama or Bush or, you know, or anybody else or even the early days of the Trump administration, the markets would have gone crazy over this. The markets just don't believe him anymore. Well, and I'm not, I'm not sure they ever did. It's, you always hear people always say nothing matters. And it's funny, I hadn't thought about it this way before this, but what you're saying about the markets, which is is very true, and that's your world more than I do. And it's always been a bit of a mystery beyond the tax cut why uh, the markets have uh, embraced the Trump chaos as much as it has. We used to think the one thing that markets didn't like was uncertainty. And this is one big ball of uncertainty that the markets embrace certainly in year one and trailing. But second, public opinion polls have been the same way. Nothing's really mattered there. As you know, Dan, the president's approval rating moves in an extremely narrow band and has stayed in a band that his people believe that if he gets his people out, that he would be re-electable. The, the twist in that, of course, would be if you have surge in Democratic turnout that messed up the proportions from 2016. And there was a, a quote in the New York Times a few weeks ago that said that there was the possibility of basically a 100-year flood, a 100-year storm of Democratic turnout. So that is part of the president's acute math problem as he looks at 2020. Mike, finally, you have been referring uh, throughout the time I've been talking to you this morning, you've been referring to the border closure threat in the past tense. That's the way you've been putting all your verbs. Is this something that, from your perspective, just not going to happen? Some, something that, that kind of the, the better angels on Trump's wings on uh, shoulders have talked him out of? Uh, that was very astute of you to pick up on that. And uh, I'm going to add a Miranda warning to what I said. So, A, our reporting shows that both White House officials and top Republican officials do not believe he will. Of course, that's different than saying he won't or that it's completely moved on. But uh, in candid conversations, top administration officials, top Republican officials tell Jonathan Swan and me that they do not expect him to do it. But Swan had a great Miranda warning on his post this morning where we reported that the cautious view among the White House and Republicans is that he won't do it. But our Be Smart, which we could add to any story looking ahead of what Trump might do. Uh, Jonathan Swan writes, as with everything Trump, 
what's true at 10 p.m. on Wednesday, which is when uh, Swan texted me this, could be false by 7 a.m. today, depending on who Trump talks to, what he watches, and his mood. Mike Allen, executive editor of Axios, thank you so much for joining us. My final two, right after this. The equity fund resource group at BridgeBank is a central hub for the venture capital and private equity communities. Leveraging nearly two decades of expertise delivering solutions to emerging technology and growth companies, BridgeBank now offers services for funds, SBICs, and general partners including creative credit solutions, robust treasury management capabilities, and a suite of international banking services. BridgeBank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. Be bold, venture wisely. Now it's time for my final two. And first up is Lyft, the ride-sharing company that last week went public in a hotly hyped IPO. So shares have basically settled down near the IPO price, but there's also a large group of Lyft short sellers, or investors who are basically betting against the stock. In fact, after less than one week of trading, Lyft is already the 27th most shorted large US stock, which is incredible not only in terms of volume, but also in terms of speed, as this is the fastest almost anyone can remember seeing an option chain or the ability to short on a new stock issue. The bottom line, expect this to become the new normal as 2019 should see lots of IPOs from well-known tech companies that don't have clear paths to profitability. And finally, more than half a billion Facebook user records were found yesterday sitting on a public cloud server managed by Amazon. And you needn't be a cybersecurity engineer to know that's not where you want a half a billion Facebook user records to be sitting. What's different about this data spill from past ones, however, is that Facebook isn't taking responsibility. Instead, it's blaming third-party app developers who pledge not to put the data on public servers in the first place, and Amazon's blaming them too. But the reality is that one of those third-party app developers is already out of business, so blaming it is like blaming a gust of wind for blowing out your windows. It may be technically correct, but it sure isn't satisfying. And we're done. Big thanks for listening, and to my producer Tim Shovers, have a great National School Librarians Day, and we'll be back on Monday with another Pro Rata Podcast.